You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to the Break a Bat podcast where baseball meets Broadway. An attempt to show that my two favorite mediums don't have to live in such separate worlds and maybe even break some stigmas. We're happy to have you with us. Now let's play ball. Hello and welcome to Break a Bat. I'm your host, Al Malafrante, coming at you remotely for the Broadway Podcast Network. Alongside me tonight is my producer, Mr. Alan Seals. How are you today, Al? I'm doing great, Alan. Are you ready to take a little stroll down memory lane? Uh, I have lots of memory, lanes full of memories, so I'm excited to talk about which one that you're going to bring up. (laughs) I'm going to channel my inner uh, Andrew Cuomo here and try to give everyone some context, because I think if you've listened to the show long enough, uh, you may or may not have caught a tidbit uh, as to what some of my favorite Yankee teams are. I've often enjoyed the cast that you know feature role players who help serve as the backbone of some of those juggernaut teams. I've also really enjoyed a lot of Broadway shows that utilize their actors in that fashion as well, giving some added depth and substance that'll catch your eye on stage as you're watching a story unfold. I've said that before, you know, how much Shaggy Little Pills stood out to me for that reason. The Prom was another great example of that. And I think when you cite those two shows in particular, uh, it's very evident why even after the show closes, you know, or during this current Broadway shutdown, uh, their fan bases remain super passionate. Now, obviously, in baseball, at least with the Yankees, we're heavily measured whether or not a team wins a championship. But quite often, you know, a certain team comes around that has such character, such resilience and performers who provide you with an escape from what's going on in your life. And, uh, you know, that you'll still look back on it, you know. 15 years later in this case, and, you know, remember it really fondly. And for the Broadway folks at home, that's not unlike what we feel like when we're at the theater. As we wait for baseball and Broadway to hopefully come back sooner rather than later, it's easy to look back at some of the good times as a source of comfort. And for me personally, there's few summers and falls that will stand out as much as 2005. It was the final baseball season I had with my dad. The Yankees were coming off a historic collapse of the Red Sox the year prior, and they had made some acquisitions to try to rejuvenate the team. And below and behold, the team started off 11 and 19. Uh, to quote Derek Jeter, the captain of the Yankees, it was like the Space Jam movie where they take your powers away. Uh, fortunately, thanks to some key stars, emerging young players, a strong supporting cast, and some extremely clutch play, uh, this team rallied together to win the American League East with 95 wins against all odds. And 
They actually clinched the division on the second-to-last game of the season at their arch-rivals home in Boston and once again had the opportunity to play in October. Today, we bring someone to the batter's box who is an important member of that team-supporting cast, helping form one of the most lethal 7-8-9 inning contingents in Yankee history, a little formula that came to be known as Tan Gormo, alongside Tom Gordon and Mariano Rivera. Our guest tonight pitched in 64 games total that season and certainly arose to the occasion on stage when it mattered the most, posting a .87 earned run average against the Boston Red Sox that season. Overall, he had a 12-year major league career, three of which were spent on the stages of Broadway, and all three of those Yankee teams he played on reached the postseason. As we celebrate the 15th anniversary of that special 2005 Yankee team, if you'll please turn your attention to home plate just beyond the marquee. Now batting, Tanyan Sturtz. What's up, Tanyan? Hey, thanks for having me. That's a pretty good introduction right there. I, I might have to keep you around a little longer. <laughs> We're training you in IT, public speaking tonight. You're going to get a whole dose of lessons tonight. This is great. I feel like that was the beginning of, a, of like the opening monologue of a Broadway show. Right? That was great, <laughs> wasn't it? Huh? Yeah, Dude, it was I'm so have to well keep you guys written. around. <laughs> Thank you for that. Uh, Tanya, when you first heard about a baseball and Broadway podcast, I figured that you realized you might be in for something a little different from what you're used to. <laughs> yeah, which is good because you usually get the same old boring stuff and same old questions and everything else. But, uh, you know, everything, this is, this is great. I'm excited to hear what, what's going to happen tonight. Um, obviously, the introduction was was fantastic. And, and you're right, the 2005 team was an amazing team, and it's, and it's really sad that we didn't get to put a ring on our fingers. I love that team so much, and I obviously want to discuss that that season in particular with you in depth. Um, you know, you pitched a dozen big league seasons, though, um, and, you know, you had success both as a starter and as a reliever. When you look back at your career, what are you most proud of? Uh, obviously, my time in New York. Uh, there's no bigger stage. There's no better spot. And um, to be able to be one of the guys that is trusted to come into the ball games in that kind of a, a spotlight is is obviously. Listen, being a starting pitcher in Tampa just doesn't compare to being able to come into a seventh or eighth inning game in 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 the Bronx. It's just it's completely different. You know, it's crazy. I think about your final season was in 2008. I guess you had to stint with the Dodgers that year. Um, at the time, you more or less had to throw 210, 215 innings to crack top 10 of the league. You certainly did that while you were starting uh, back in your Tampa days. When you see guys today throwing 185, 180, 190, and they're cracking the leaderboards, uh, it seems like there's such a heavy emphasis on relievers. Could you ever have envisioned the way a pitching staff would be handled, you know, barely 10 years after your retirement? No, it's changed completely. To, to be honest with you, I wish it did because I think most of my earned runs and stuff came later on in the innings. We were always told you had to go seven innings and three runs or less to be a quality start. And that's what we always strived for was to get that. And and now it's like five and dive. Uh, you know, they pitch five innings. And sometimes some nights five innings came really easy and you out of the game, you would have been out of the game pretty quick. Instead, he's tried to pitch two, three more innings to get that quality start. And you know, end up giving up a few runs or something like that. You probably wouldn't have if we had the uh, the pitching staffs that they have now. It's you know what always has caught me a little bit um, is that it sometimes it seems like these guys are trying to preserve the starters rather than preserving the team at times, and that's really frustrating to me as a fan. 
Yeah, unfortunately, they're probably the most paid guys, right? Uh, they make the most money, so they're going to protect them probably more than anybody else. But but you're right. I think they do protect them, um, sometimes to a fault, I think, with some of the guys because I, I think some of those guys are horses, and they can and they can really go and throw. And I think that sometimes you got to let them go, and, and they just don't do it. it listen, it, it's changed. It, the game has changed completely to when we, when we played. Uh, like I said, you know, you had to throw every day, or you had to throw every night, and uh, you know, you had to get your innings in. Like you said, if you didn't throw two hundred and twenty innings or something like that as a starter, you probably weren't going to be a starter the following year. Probably be a long guy. Now, when you came over to the Yankees, you were primarily a starting pitcher. How was it presented to you that the team wanted you to work in a different role out of the bullpen? And you certainly had some great teachers out there in Mo and Flash. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, if they had told me that I was going to just give the towels to mow down the bullpen for the rest of the time out there, I was probably would have done that, anyway, <laughs> you know, just to stay in the Bronx. But um, listen, uh, when I first got to New York, um, Mike Stanton got traded and Mike Stanton was Mo's throwing partner every day. So every day we go out and we play catch before BP and stuff like that. So uh, when he got traded, I ended up getting to step into that spot. So I got to be able to play catch with Mo for the three years that I was there. So not only play catch with Mo, but Mo taught me everything about being in the bullpen. Mo, uh, you know, mentally taught me how to be down there and get ready for the stuff. I used to just play catch and Mo used to yell at me. It's not catch. We're working. It's time to work. You got to work on something. So he would play, we would always play games. You know, you had to hit a different shoulder. You had to hit a different hip and it would be, we would play points. And, uh, you know, I, I was lucky enough to step into that spot when Mike had gotten traded when I, when I came over to New York because I don't know what would have happened if I didn't have Mo to be able to tell me all the stuff about what goes into the bullpen. Did he ever try to teach you a thing or two about the cutter? Oh, yeah, every day. Yeah. It's not as easy as everybody thinks. You can just go out there and throw the cutter. It's just not, uh, you know, Mo has really, really long fingers and his, and his fingers go so far across the ball that it was just easy for him. My fingers weren't as long as his and I just couldn't get it to, to do the, uh, to do the movement that he had. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Now, it's obviously a very different role. Did you change anything about your technique on the mound, you know, being a reliever? Was it more of a mindset shift that you had to do? What, what goes into a pitcher's mind, you know, being a starter for so long and then becoming a reliever as far as the adjustments that you have to make? Yeah, so as a starter, we would always try to, you know, uh, reserve some pitches because you knew you were going to face them two or three times in a lineup, you know, for the night. 
uh, as a reliever, it's it's all hands on deck. I mean, you you might just see them. What you might just see one batter. I mean, you just don't know. So uh, it's it's give you best stuff. Go right after them. And as a starter, you kind of just you know you you work yourself into the ball game and, and save some pitches. Don't show everything their first time around the lineup and stuff like that. So it's completely different mindset going down the bullpen. You, you just it, it's game on when you come in the bull, you know, out of, especially seventh and eighth inning. It's tough to uh, it's tough to try to save something. You know, one game you did start obviously was in two thousand four, the infamous Farkas at Fenway Park when A Rod and Veritek <laughs> went at it, and one of the most insane brawls in baseball history. Um, when you consider the rivalry between the two teams at that time, you know, a lot of existing bad blood from the year prior. Uh, take us through Bronson and Royal drilling a rod in the back, and then you being so new to it all. How did you end up right in the middle of that brawl? Yeah, so I, I actually was. Yeah, so I, I got a spot start that day. I don't know who who sat out. I, th- I think maybe El Duque was was not feeling well that day or something. But um, I got a spot start, and uh, they had hit a rod the night before, also uh, the night before that game, and, and we kind of knew that they were going at him a little bit. So. Um, when he went, we knew it wasn't a surprise to us. We knew he was getting frustrated and kind of mad at, at getting, you know, thrown out a bunch of times. So, um, listen, you know, when, when when that rivalry was in 2004, it was a, uh, it was, it was, there was no, there wasn't much people that liked each other on those teams. Okay, uh, you know, they can say whatever they want about how they, you know. It was okay, but it wasn't. We didn't like each other, and it was it was tough blood. So when the fight happened, it was just kind of go reaction. You know, A Rod ended up getting stuck on the bottom of a big pile, and it was just trying to you know get people off of there. And uh, you know, I just happened to get a couple other guys towards their dugout a little bit. You know, one thing that people don't mention enough is that Faratek never took his mask off, and to this day, that still ticks me off. <laughs> he was smart. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was smart he didn't take his uh he didn't take his mask off and listen i don't think i think alex got taken back a little bit by the way veritek you know uh you know came at him a little bit but listen it, like i said you know it, it was pretty heated that year and i think it's changed since then even in 2005 it was completely you could feel the difference was a little a little different after they had beaten us in 2004 which they keep showing on TV that we're in this quarantine and it's just killing me. I, I don't, I just want to turn it off every time I look at it. But, um, you know, 2004 is a really, really tough sticking point for us, for a lot of us. And, you know, you had grown up in Massachusetts, presumably as a Sox fan. Was that awkward in any way, any way to more or less be fighting the organization you grew up rooting for, you know, as a member of the evil empire? Uh, y- yes and no. Um, I obviously didn't think about it like that. Uh, you know, once once we get drafted, it's completely different. Um, it was more of a, a pissed off situation where they hadn't taken us. Uh, I remember when I was playing with the Rangers, I had two Massachusetts guys with me with Bobby Witt and Kenny Hill. And when I got there and my first start for the Rangers was, was in Fenway. And they said to me, listen, they didn't take us. We were Massachusetts kids and they didn't take us. So now it's time to stick it back to them. So it always stuck with me my whole career about being Massachusetts kids that Boston didn't end up taking and letting us put that uniform. Because, you know, I mean, even in New York kids, everyone wants to, well, 90% of New York wants to be a Yankee. 10% wants to be a Met, right? You know, 
So yeah. <laughs> I mean, everyone wants to put those uniforms on, and that's the way it is in Boston too. You grow up as a Red Sox fan. You want to, you know, you love baseball. You want to be a Red Sox, and when it doesn't happen, it's a little deflating, and you get a little bit upset about it, and then you just turn it into a different different scenario. Now you did get the better of the Red Sox in 05. And I really want to talk to you about that team specifically, because I alluded earlier, it's so special to me. If you pointed out any of those 162 games, I could probably give you a brief plot synopsis on a good chunk of them. <laughs> um, when you guys started the season, hoping to avenge the bad taste in everyone's mouth after 2004, what was going on behind the scenes in Yankee land when you guys start that season 11 and 19? Well, first of all, the beginning of the season, you know, if you think about it, you go back, look at the beginning of all the seasons. Mo ends up not saving a couple games early on in the first month or so. And everyone's like, oh, he can't close anymore. He's that, you know, and, and all these questions start coming in. And it's just craziness. But that team was a lot older team. If you remember, we had, we had, we were stacked. I mean, it was like nine all stars out there almost every night. And um, they know that it's 162. So they know how to prepare themselves to go through the season. So the first month was really just kind of like get to New York, you know, get our apartment situated and, and you know, go out there and play. But, you, you know, not that we didn't want to win the games, but we knew they knew how to get themselves ready for August and September. And they weren't too worried about the beginning of the year. You did have a lot of fiery personalities in that clubhouse. Did anyone, you know, start to get a little aggressive or frustrated that, you know, rubbed off on the rest of the team when you guys weren't winning early on? No, I think the only time we had a little bit of problem is when Kevin Brown broke his hand. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, you know, remember Kevin Brown had, had uh, he had punched the uh, the lights or the wall or something like that and had busted, you know, his hand. And we were almost getting ready to go into the playoffs at that time. And, um, but that was about it. And, and Sheffield got a little bit upset about that. He, you know, he, he, he got a little, little crazy on, on Kevin Brown on that situation. But other than that, everyone was really, you know, listen, we, we, like I said, we were stacked. We had a great team. Uh, the guys in that clubhouse were great guys. Everyone got along. It was just, uh, uh it just, it did, just didn't work out. Unfortunately. I mean, that lineup was sick. One of the best I've ever watched. And, you know, it did, at least for me as a fan, it seemed like you guys had two separate shots in the arm, I guess. You know, the first was when you guys brought up Kanoa and Wong. Uh, you had yeah. a lot of talent on that team, like you said, mostly centered around the veteran players, you yourself being one of them. Uh, we see on Broadway sometimes even, you know, there's certain young actors who just give off a certain energy to the cast and bring out a different side of performance. Um, you guys go on to win 10 games in a row in May, start to get back in the race. Uh, do you attest that to the young blood or did, you know, w was it maybe Alex getting hot who of course won the MVP that year? Uh, is there something in particular that you think, you know, sparked everything as far as the comeback went? Um, I don't think anything's, I, I, it's, it's hard because we were in the middle of it. So I, it's hard for me to say that one thing sparked it. I just think that guys got going at the right time at the same time. I, I remember we were in Cleveland and I and I went to dinner with uh with Posada, Jita, and Bernie. And I said, What are we doing? I said, Let's go. Like are we gonna get catch these guys or what's the deal? And they go, Don't worry about it, we'll catch them. And I was like, Okay, then forget it. You know, I mean, I'm not gonna stress about this. You know what I mean? If they, <laughs> if these guys aren't stressing, I'm not gonna stress about it. So I kinda went and uh I went about that business, but um I don't know. We, we had great, like you said, uh, you know, 
Aaron Small came in that year too, didn't he? Aaron Small came in and, and ended up winning like a bunch of starts in a row. It was just crazy what was happening. Chin Ming Wong, right? I mean, he was just dealing. Um, and he had never thrown a sinker before. And, and, and Larry Rothschild taught him a sinker. And he just, that's all he threw. It was crazy. And it was just crazy how things just went that, that season. And, and like you said, that lineup, I, I wouldn't want to be on the other side pitching to that lineup. That lineup was deadly. Oh, they sure were. And so many guys had some of their best seasons. You know, you mentioned Jeter, A-Rod, Matsui. So many of those guys had some of their career years. And right. that's saying a lot when each of them had, you know, 10 plus all-star caliber years. It's pretty amazing. Um, you know, I mentioned that 10-game win streak in May. That was kind of the month that you cemented yourself as the seventh inning guy behind Gordon and Moe. And you had one of the best months of your career. You had that .66 ERA. Uh, when you start to have success as a Yankee, in and out of the clubhouse, do people start to treat you any different? No, listen, New York was always great to me. I mean, I, I they always treated me uh, the same. Um, I just always wanted to work hard and, and just go out there as much as I could. Um, like you, like I told you, it, it's it's different situations when you get to go put that uniform on and get into those big games. Every game's a playoff game in New York, you know. I mean, the state, the stadium's rocking all the time. It, it's just it, the atmosphere is unbelievable. So when you get that opportunity to be able to do that, it's just a great feeling. Uh, I don't think anyone treated me different. I think more people started to notice who I was in the city, and said, you know, like walking around, wise, going to have lunch and stuff like that. But other than that, you know, everyone was all, has always been nice to me up there, always. You know, uh, the sentiment of having to achieve a team goal is something that we talk about a lot in theater. And uh, there was certainly nobody more theatrical uh, than your teammate in 2005, Alex Rodriguez. Uh, it's funny. If you look at that run that you guys had for May on especially, he was an absolute machine. Uh, countless clutch hits against the Red Sox all season long while you were pitching great against them as well. I want to get your take on this. I mean, it's well documented that Jeter and A-Rod had their differences. However, quite often, at least it seemed the friction between the two of them was more apparent, at least to us as fans, when Alex wasn't playing well. And it seemed like to me, Jeter used to cold shoulder him a bit, which at times became a little contagious in the clubhouse among certain teammates. And, you know, listen, Alex was no angel, but you were around both of them uh, while they were both having amazing seasons in 05. Did you see them coexist that year? And do you think that rubbed off on the rest of the team? And, you know, generally, what was it like to play alongside those guys i don't think they ever showed animosity between the two like at the ballpark um I, you know listen that they, they had their differences they had their things that they did different outside the ballpark but i i never saw them like they were always around each other in the clubhouse they were always around each other i think they hit in the same group during bp you know i, I just don't i never saw it I, I saw all these people always talk about it but i never saw them I, I like you said. I never saw Derek give him the cold shoulder. I just never, I never saw them act like that. And I, and listen, I was with Derek and, and Jorge quite a bit, and I, and I still, I talk to Jorge probably four times a week still. And I just never saw them act that way. That the people would always, or the, or the reporters would always say that they, that they did. Maybe, maybe I was blind to it. I just knew, you know, both, both parties, and I just didn't notice it, but. I never saw the way that they acted with each other like the people said that they did. Um, like I said, off the field, I you know, listen, Alex had his wife in the city and, and Derek was single. So, you know, I just never seen anything different. You know, I never see him do anything together off, off the field and stuff like that. 
And, you know, if they both played great, uh, especially in the second half, you guys went 49 and 27 and, you know, had some epic battles with Boston, uh, both in July and then in September, you guys won your uh, six of the last nine against them, which I think, was, uh. which ended up being the X factor when the, the East that year, uh, was there a certain game that you played against Boston that year or really any other team in the second half where you thought to yourself, Hey, you know, we could beat anyone. This team is a juggernaut. Um, I thought that the whole year, especially coming off of 04, you know, so close in 04, um, you know, one win away. And then with the team that we were throwing out there in 05, I, you know, I was almost like, you know, get me my ring size. You know what I mean? <laughs> almost, almost to that point. But um, I, I felt that way the whole season. But um, it, we clinched what, the, second, the, the second to last game in Boston. Uh, to get the to get the division right was, was was that when we did it and um I just remember being in that series saying okay you know we got to get these first two and then the last one we can just do whatever we want but I just remember going up into that series yeah um, not thinking that we weren't going to beat them but just wanting to grab those first two so the last day we could just relax a little bit must have been so sweet winning it up at Fenway Especially after losing in 04, yeah. It was great. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. opening day that year, they had the ring ceremony while you guys were yeah, at Fenway Park. Did. Of course they did, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they? After everything that's been going on and then, you know, to, to lose that, to have that drought be gone, I, I, would, I would have picked it against us too, you know? Definitely. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What do you remember about pitching in that postseason? You guys had that really hard-fought five-game series with the Angels. Does anything stand out to you about uh, that 05 ALDS? Yeah, there was a fly ball between uh, Cabrera and Sheffield. Bubba, Bubba Crosby. Oh, Bubba Crosby. Right. That's who it was, Bubba Crosby. Yeah. And, uh, and, and when that dropped, that was the, uh, it was in Anaheim and, uh, they couldn't hear each other because Anaheim was rocking and the place was so loud. And, uh, you know, that the big wall that they had out there and, and they just couldn't communicate to come up with that ball. And I thought that was the big turning point for us in that series in 05. I think because- if we get by that series, we probably make a, a, a really deep running and go. And you guys had that big win in game four and, you know, you had pitched well in that series also. It's just like, there were so many little things that happened. Like I remember the pop-up to Alex in game two and then in game three, like you guys fell behind like five, nothing early, put up a six spot, took the lead and then uh, the bullpen couldn't hold it. But 
you know, I know a lot could sh- happen in that short series, but that's like one of those seasons, at least for me as a fan, like I'll never fully get over, you know? And it's yeah. like, and we've seen it since because, you know, at that time we were all of 10 years into having an actual division series in baseball. Um, so it was, you know, kind of crazy to me to see such an upset like that. But now I guess we see it more often, which just goes to show how tough it is to win. Yeah, it, it is. And then you have those, those, those early, those early series, you know, the beginning, you know, the first series and stuff like that. They're tough. You gotta, you gotta get hot. And if you don't, or if you come, come into a buzzsaw of one or two pitches really hot, then, you know, you slide through that, that, that one and that go to the next one. And then you just never know what happens. But like you said, a lot of little things. I mean, even in 04, look at 04 when we did, when we didn't win. It was a lot of little things. If that ball doesn't bounce over the wall from Tony Clark, we end up scoring that run, and we probably go to the World Series. There's just a ton of ton of little tiny things that happen during the game that changes it. That people don't look at the little thing; they look at that big, you know, the big thing saying you didn't get through the first round or you didn't go to the World Series. But it was like one or two things that happened that probably could change the course of the whole thing. It was such a magical ride. There were so many games that stand out to me. And, you know, that, that team will always be special to me. And, um, you know, I was talking about the playoffs earlier. Uh, there's a lot of talk that uh, the MLB may have an expanded postseason this year. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I don't know if they're going to do the, the more postseason. They're going to need to do something because uh, it's going to be a sprint. And whatever team... I think the youngest team that comes in is gonna ha- gonna have a great run because if you always look at the the young teams when they break spring training, who's out there in the front? It's always those young teams that have that lead the first month, month and a half because those guys are gearing up and ready to go. The older guys take a little bit longer to get going. So um, you might have a you might have a playoff series with teams that you you know if the Miami Marlins go and go and get in the playoffs, we might uh you might have to question a lot of things that are going on around there. In the Toronto Blue Jays, Toronto Blue Jays and Miami Marlins end up in the playoffs. We know, we know what the deal is. It's just so aggressive to have fourteen teams. It's like yeah. I, I mean, I understand it may be only a seventy-eight game season. Um, I've had some other players, you know, tell us that you know a season's a season, regardless of how many games they play. It's a true championship. Uh, but you know, like you said, when you have some of those basement teams that could get lucky for you know yeah. what would be the equivalent of a first half which we see all the time right. i i just don't know how you can value that those kids get hot you just never know i mean listen they're big league baseball players they can get hot they all get hot at the same time and that team just rides out two two and a half months they're gonna be there you know there's no way around it this season's so short that the other teams won't be able to catch them if they get out hot and um Listen, you know, even if we have one, you know, the way all these guys are talking now, if we if we have a season, it'll be great. Just something for us to watch on TV besides Paw Patrol and all this <laughs> other stuff that our kids are watching, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a good time down in Florida, Tanya. <laughs> hey, I got a seven and four-year-old. This quarantine hasn't been the greatest quarantine in the world. I, I, I'm running out of stuff to do with these kids. <laughs> Now, let me ask you, when baseball is in session, do you typically watch the games, you know, and, uh, you know, since your retirement? Um, I took a long time off. I I stopped watching it when I retired for a while because I didn't, I really wanted to get away from the game for a bit. Um, I was drained. I was, it was, I was worn out. Um, I, I got the shoulder surgery in in 06 and then 07, I rehabbed back. 
and uh, just worked my butt off in 07 and 08 to try to just pitch again. And, and it took a big toll on me mentally trying to get ready to get back. And I just, I needed a break. So I stopped for a while and then now I'm starting to get back into it, back into it. I always get a little, you know, I tell Derek I'm going to come down to a game and I never end up going to a game. So I always get text messages saying, you said you were going to come. I didn't see you the whole season. You missed the, uh, <laughs> all 82 of them. I said, yeah, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I, I watch it. I watch more of the highlights than I do the, the actual game. Um, I'll sit down. I'll, I'll probably last a couple innings, but I won't last the whole game unless it's the playoffs. I'll watch playoff games. Are there any players that that you've taken a liking to, or are there even any some players out there that remind you of yourself back when you were playing? Um, it's hard to say now because it's so different. The way that they pitch, the, the way that they play the game is completely different than what what we had to do. Um, you know, if I wasn't able to throw inside or being able to back somebody off the plate, uh, I, I probably wouldn't have had any success in the big leagues. Um, these guys, they, they throw inside one time and they, they're all getting warnings and they're all getting, you know, they're not allowed to do it. It's just crazy to me now the way that they have to pitch. But, um, I mean, listen, you know, there's some great, great players in the game right now. There's some great young guys that are playing in the game. And, uh, you know, I love the kid in Colorado, Arenado. I love him. I think he's, I think he's one of the greatest players. I love watching him play. I like the way he carries himself. I think he's I think he's one of the great guys to watch. Now, if uh, you're a baseball player right now, uh, you know, there's a lot of unknown. What would you be doing to stay in shape and conditioned um, with so much uncertainty in the air? Yeah, listen, I, I, that's what I, that's my point is I think they're going to have a hard time when they when they do come back. Uh, you're going to see starters going, what, two innings like a spring training game, uh, you know, so. I mean, they still got to get their workouts in, but, you know, every gym's closed, everything's closed, so it's tough. So they got to have a lot of stuff at their house being able, you know, to stay prepared and be able to throw. I see Chapman throwing on Instagram all the time, trying to stay busy, and, you know, he's out in the driveway throwing, and there's guys throwing on the docks by their house and stuff like that. So guys are still, they're still trying to do it, but it's just not the same as being out there on the mound and, and throwing it. And it's not going to be the same with nobody in the stands, that's for sure. Because obviously we get a lot of energy and a lot of, you know, from people being in the stands and stuff like that. Not that we notice the people in the stands, but you know when 60,000 people are going crazy in the stadium, you're going to get a little bit jacked up. Alan, Tanyan just mentioned your favorite Yankee. Chapman. Chapman. (laughs) Chapman's his favorite. (laughs) <laughs> he's, he's the only one i know right now i am the least sporty shooty hoops guy wait you play you played shooty hoops right oh my no. god <laughs> I was, no wonder why he got my microphone working <laughs> right in the google shirt <laughs> the google shirt the google shirt and the microphone gave it away you, it's no problem <laughs> No, no, no. The, Chapman's like the, uh, Al's introduced me to Chapman. He's become like the unofficial spokesman or mascot, I guess, of uh, <laughs> of this podcast. So I know I know about Chapman trivia because of all of these episodes we've done together. Oh, that's funny. That's good. <laughs> He's a theatrical guy, Ten, and the Broadway right. community has really taken a liking to him. So we try to embrace that. That's great. I like. It. <laughs> hey, gotta do what works, right? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, speaking of Broadway, I do have to ask, while you were here in New York, did you catch many Broadway shows? 
Uh, I didn't catch many. I did catch a, a few, um, but I didn't catch a lot. Uh, you know, when I, I was single when I was in New York, so uh, I wasn't quite going to Broadway shows. I was going to other places besides Broadway shows when I was in New York. <laughs> Were there any shows that you saw that stood out to you or that you happen to remember? I actually saw uh, Adam's Family. That was awesome. Uh, it was. It was great. <laughs> I actually enjoyed the Adams family. Actually, my wife and I went to the Adams family, and we and it was. Uh, we had a great time. It was. It was a good. Uh, who's the actor that was the lead in that? There was a big actor that was the Nathan lead. Lane. Yeah, he was really funny, and it was good, and we had a good time. So yeah, that was one of the good ones. Uh, Book of Mormon was good. Um, what else did I see? Uh, witches or something like that? Is there something? Huh? I, wicked. I <laughs> wicked, wicked. Yeah, wicked, wicked. Yeah, yeah. So I saw a few. I've seen a few, but uh, not not when I was playing. You know, more more now that I've been done and back up in the city and stuff like that. And uh, but not a lot, not a lot of them. You know, it's funny when you were there. You had some really great ones open up. Uh, Jersey Boys, Sweet Charity, Light in the Piazza. That had all started, I guess, while you were a Yankee. I know that yeah. Joe Torre used to like catch, like to go catch some Broadway shows around the Yankee clubhouse. Did you have a lot of your teammates who might have enjoyed uh, Broadway? Um, I know Jeff Nelson goes to a lot of them. I know Jeff Nelson uh, hits a lot of the Broadway shows. Um, I don't know who else used to go. Listen. The guys that had the wives in town, I'm sure they all said, let's go catch a show during our off nights or something like that. But, um, you know, I'm sure there was plenty of guys that did. Why not? It's awesome to go be able to do that in the city. It's a great night out. But, uh, you know, I think there was plenty of guys that went to go do that. If you had one Yankee teammate who you think would have made a great Broadway performer, who would it be? Um, Tino Martinez. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, really? Tino. Well, probably Swisher, but Swisher, Swisher wasn't my teammate. But, I, you know, I'd go Tino because he was my teammate. But yeah, I think Tino would be great. He did have a flair for the dramatic, or is there something else that you had in mind that no, makes just you think? Always, he's just always good on the camera. He just always looks good. He's always looking good up on stage in front of people. He's, he's a good speaker, and I just think he would be good at it. Very interesting. And if the – if it was ever positioned to you to perform in that way? Do you think you have it in you? As long as it wasn't a speaking engagement, yeah, probably. <laughs> I kept the sin in the corner, it'd be all right. <laughs> That's awesome. Kind of like Alan's doing on this on this broadcast tonight, huh? Just kind of sitting there waiting. <laughs> I'm just here making sure everything goes all right. Throwing in a little a little bit of uh, comedic commentary or ignorant commentary, more or less, most of the time. <laughs> It's a good dynamic. And uh, Tanya, we do one segment to wrap every show. Uh, it's a little thing that's called Fastball Derby. What we'll do is we'll ask you a question and you say the first thing that comes to your head. How does that sound? Perfect. Awesome. All right, Alan, you being the huge Yankee fan that you are, I think you should start. <laughs> let, me, let me put on my Yankee hat again. And boop, there we go. All nice. right. <laughs> so the first question is, what is your favorite New York City meal? My meal? Yeah, your favorite New York City meal. You come back in town, what's the first thing you're going to eat? Campagnolas. Sounds Italian. Italian. All-time favorite film? Oh, Godfather. 
something about Tanyan Sturts that would surprise people the most. That's a tough one. Everyone knows too much. Uh, I'm a pretty good golfer. It doesn't surprise me that much, but... (laughs) 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 Toughest batter you ever faced. To toss up. I'll go uh, Edgar Martinez. I don't think I ever got him out. How about uh, a guy you owned? Melvin Mora. Gutsiest performance of your career? Does it have to be as a Yankee? No. Uh, I pitched the first game back after 9-11 in Yankee Stadium as a, as a Devil Ray and uh, beat Clemens 2-1. to one. I got hit in the head with a line drive in the fifth and still pitched two innings after that. And you beat a Cy Young winner. That's incredible. Yeah. I, I remember right. that game. That I mean, it was so emotional as it was, but I can't imagine playing. Uh, it was unbelievable. It was amazing. Yeah, that uh, old stadium and downstairs was just packed with all firefighters and first responders. It was, a, it was an amazing, amazing night. Hmm. And to be able to pitch and win that game was especially after taking a line drive off the head from Bernie and then uh, throwing a couple of things after that. But uh, yeah, that, that had to be the game. I, I, I'm going to interrupt this. I got to ask, like, what does it sound like inside your head when you get hit <laughs> with a baseball that hard? Right. So listen, I'll tell you the story. So I, I throw the pitch in, in. You can ask the pitchers next time you have other pitchers on. When you let go of the ball, you can almost see where it's going and where the bat is going to hit it, and it, and and then it's on top of you, like it's like it's almost slow motion, like getting into a car crash. Like when you get into a car crash, it's like slow motion, then boom, you hit it. It's the same way as when you throw the pitch. So he hit it, and it hit me in the head. <laughs> so I went down. When I got up, the trainer and everybody was around me at the thing. I said that I was fine. I said, and then Bernie was kind of standing there. And I said, you can go to first base, and they said, no, 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 you're he's out. The shortstop caught it. <laughs> <laughs> so I went into the dugout and then, uh, you know, they were trying to tell me that I was done. I was done and I wasn't coming out of that game because it was 1-1 in the fifth inning. And it was the first game back after 9-11. I said, there's no chance I'm coming out of this game. And I talked them into me staying and I ended up pitching two more innings. But the next day and after that game, my head was pounding like crazy. Yeah. yeah, it was pounding. Oof. All right. So next question then. Who are the teammates you'd go to war with? Teammates I'll go to war with? Oh, man. Greg Vaughn. Um, Posada. Jeter. Sheffield. Um, Carlos Delgado. Frank Catalanato. There's a bunch of guys, man. A bunch of guys. I'll go for a war for a lot, a lot of guys. <laughs> Listen, I've become really good friends with a lot of these guys that I got the opportunity to put the uniform on with, and and uh, I would I would I would battle for a lot of them. Coolest piece of memorabilia you have from your playing career? Um, probably Cal Ripken ball. Nice. Cal Ripken signed a ball for me when I pitched against him in Baltimore. So uh, it's either Cal Ripken or Barry Bonds. 
but I'll, I'll go Cal Ripken. Cal Ripken ball. All right. What is the loudest you ever heard Yankee Stadium? Who's your daddy? <laughs> <laughs> the, time, the time you have heard Yankee Stadium the loudest. That was it. Who's your daddy when they were going after Pedro, man? It, that that place was rocking when they were doing uh, Who's Your Daddy on Pit when Pedro was on the mound. And it was uh, it was crazy. It was crazy. It was it was really, really loud inside there. The old stadium rocked. The old stadium got loud, man. In the playoffs, the old stadium was used to be really, really loud the way they built it. And lastly, what's the best piece of advice anyone ever gave you? Uh, I'd have to go with Mo. Uh, Mo gave me the best advice as being a reliever. He said, whatever happened uh, today is gone when we come back in this clubhouse tomorrow. And uh, it was great to try to get your mindset to get into that. Uh, because there was nothing you could do about what happened yesterday, and it was all about that win the next night, and you just had to forget about what happened that night before. That helped me out tremendously being down the bullpen. Because as a starter, you got four or five days to kind of think about what you did wrong in your start, and it kind of dwells on you a little bit. As a reliever, you don't have that luxury. And, th and he taught me that very quickly when I got there. You know, it's funny that you say that just to – touch on something from the theatrical side of things, you know, there's so many performers who constantly grow because of just that. And, uh, you know, it's learning from your mistakes and be able to make adjustments. Um, you know, I, and I think that's what separates, you know, the good performers from the great performance and performers and, you know, to be a great major league player and to be a great Broadway performer. Um, I think that that's, uh, that's just vital. Yeah. And, and like I said, I, I wouldn't have had the success if I wasn't, didn't have that opportunity to be with him and him teach me that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, listen, when, in the beginning, when I first was independent, I would give up a run or give up a home run, a, a big one. I would get upset and he'd be like, it's done, you know? And so once I learned how to forget that stuff, uh, it became a lot easier and a lot better. And it's probably the same way as a performer, you know, you're not going to have a great night every night and, you know, you just got to forget it. And then the next night, you know, be better and, and, and figure out what you did wrong. That's certainly true. And, um, you know, Tanya and I uh, can't thank you enough for joining us in the batter's box tonight. This was awesome. I appreciate you guys uh, reaching out and having me on. Uh, anytime I, I had a great time and hopefully we can get, Alan's a, a Yankee shirt or something like that, so I don't have to be Google. <laughs> <laughs> we're, gonna send, we're gonna have to send him a box of some memorabilia and get him get him get him going over I there. I should have worn my break a bat, my <laughs> sleep, my uh, onesie. Not yeah, onesie. Yeah. What are they called? <laughs> what you got? Onesies too? No, no. Sorry, I got little kids. That's what my mind's on. Oh no, uh, I'm little kid close. <laughs> uh Tanya, well how about this when you, when we're on the other end of this thing and you know as we hopefully we get back to normal uh alan will show you and your wife around broadway as he knows it and uh you'll have the best time of your life listen i would love it we come up to new york a lot actually we were just up in new york right before they had the quarantine it was crazy and we didn't get sick we were surprised we were staying in in downtown and uh we were there for four days and, and we had just taken a trip to get away because we love coming up there just to, you know, we leave the kids here with the sitter and we go up for a few days just because it's awesome. And uh, we went up there in the beginning of, uh, uh, of March and we got home just in time. Lucky we got home, but we come up a lot. And I'd, I'd love to be able to, to do that and go around and hang out and uh, have dinner and stuff like that and, and hang out with you guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, anytime. Anytime. 
Anytime you want, Ten, and we mean that. And um, tell us about the 56 Foundation. I have a, a foundation. It's the 56 Foundation. And um, uh, it's my wife and I, my wife's father had passed away from cancer, uh, brain cancer. He battled it for a long time. But uh, what we do is we go and hand out warm and fuzzy socks to, to cancer, to kids. Um, because my wife, when my father-in-law was going through all of his hard times in the hospital, my wife would always take his socks. And so that's what she always remembered. And she still wears them to this day around the house and stuff like that. The, the warm socks that they give them after the chemo, because the kids are, all, you know, the people are always cold after they do all their treatments. So, uh, so we started a foundation where we buy big, fuzzy, uh, you know, fun, fun socks with, uh, you know, monkeys on them and stuff like that for the kids. And, and I have my kids go and go and hand them out to hospitals and stuff like that. So yeah, so 56 foundation and, uh, it's great. We, we enjoy it. It gives my, gives my kids something to go and, and do. They look forward to going and hand them out. And then, uh, you know, I, I, I love seeing the smiles on the kids' faces. And how can everyone get more info, Tanyan? Uh, they can go. We have a we have a page on uh, on Instagram. We have a Facebook page. We have a, we have a website. So we have everything up and running, and uh, they can just click on there and check out what's going on. Wonderful. Well, once again, we can't thank you enough for joining us in the batter's box, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you on Broadway soon. Hey, looking forward to it, guys. Thank you so much for having me on. It was a really good time. Absolutely. That'll close out the ball game here on Break a Bat. This is Al Malafronte signing off with Alan Seals for the Broadway Podcast Network. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Break a Bat. This is produced by the fine folks at the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit and subscribe at bpn.fm slash breakabat. You can find me online at break underscore a underscore bat underscore podcast. And you can also find the Broadway Podcast Network on Instagram at Broadway Podcast Network. It's been so great having you here with us today, and we'll see you next time. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.